it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our Pro Football Weekly Chicago podcast. Yes, the sun did come up last Friday morning. The Chicago Bears are still in the NFL, and we do still have uh, our Pro Football Weekly Chicago podcast that we enjoy bringing to you so much every week. I am Hub Arkish, the executive editor and general manager at PFW. Our managing editor, Arthur Arkish, is alongside. I just don't bother to mention that he's my middle son, because I think you all know that. I don't know if you know he's in the middle, but... Um, uh, there's not a lot of arcishes running around, so we also don't push it all that hard, Arthur, because, you know, let's face it, uh, one of us is too much, and two of us wears on people after a while. I know of one arcish that still isn't running around approaching a year and a half. We're just waiting <laughs> on little Theodore, seeing whatever we might be able to do to... Uh, He's a ham. He's almost as big as his four-year-old brother, and yet he still will not uh, stop crawling and start walking. So that's my youngest grandchild. Nothing that we don't say anything nasty about little Mister Theo. He's uh, he's a big boy, though. <laughs> I'll say that for him. It's, uh, yeah, uh, it's getting hard to schlep him around. So uh, his mom and dad are, are apparently not so quietly anymore, rooting for him to start walking. But I know that's not why the Bears uh, listeners tuned in today. Although huh? they would all love to see his mana try and pick him up. That's always entertaining <laughs> for me. But you're right, Arthur. We're going to get to some football. We're we're trying to avoid the subject. Is what What's the segue? <laughs> Mitch Trubisky's baby steps? Mitch Trubisky looking... Le- no, I'm sorry. That's too easy. Low-hanging fruit there. Um, but there's a lot to get to, obviously. Uh, we can go... We can start in a, in a number of different directions, but I think uh, certainly the talk that is was dominating the the city even prior to you know Mitch hit the podium yesterday uh, was still his struggles Matt Nagy's struggles the offense's frankly embarrassing performance in prime time to kick off the season uh, and for obvious reasons that's been much of the focus at Hallis Hall is ensuring that that is not a similar conversation come next week after the Broncos and you know Arthur it's really interesting because when you study the tape and, I, and I've rewatched the game a number of times now. Mitch wasn't the worst quarterback I've ever seen. I, I mean, this whole thing is on Trubisky, obviously because the offense was awful and, and they put three points on the board and he's the quarterback. And he did play one of his worst games. Uh, I'm not saying he didn't. But but he didn't show anything out there that says, oh, you know, get him out of town. You know, the experiment's over. We're done with him. He actually 
continued to show the good legs on occasion uh, on that scramble early. Uh, the problem was that he, he came out of the pocket too soon too many times. That's what created several of those sacks. He did miss some throws, but he also made some very nice throws. He did miss some reads, and, and that's the one thing I can't find the silver lining in. I couldn't find any particular reads that were great, although um, finding uh, Taylor Gabriel down the field was an excellent discovery. I can't call it a read so much because it was kind of a coverage situation. Um, and, and it's not that he didn't get the ball out there far enough. It was just that it was a broken play. And at that point, uh, Gabriel gets the offensive pass interference. But but overall, my point would be it was it was bad Mitch. It wasn't quit on Mitch. And yet you would think in the city of Chicago, everybody's ready to write him off and write off the season because now it's going to take a couple more years to find his replacement. Yeah, I'm glad you kind of ended with the the reads for Mitch because to me that was far and away the most troubling part of his performance were the missed reads and the inability to frankly even try and make reads and go through a progression and not getting off of Allen Robinson who of course had 13 targets and 10 catches and over 100 yards and was awesome. He was the one player on the Bears offense who was really, really good. Um, but I think part of what makes that so troubling is that we spent the months of well, dating back to May, all the way through August, hearing about, as we clearly saw Mitch, uneven was the word we chose at Pro Football Weekly frequently, inconsistent, up and down, whatever, you get the point. That was the the most consistent sort of part of Mitch throughout the spring and summer, which is why the Bears coaches, well, I don't know if it's why they did, but it's why the theme kind of turned to, well, Mitch is dissecting defenses and Mitch is doing a lot better job getting through his progressions. And then to see him almost seemingly take a step back from where he ended his second season Thursday night against admittedly a really good Packers defensive effort. That was very impressive and maybe is getting lost a little bit in this. Um, but I think that's part of the panic. And then, Hub, you sat there yesterday. Uh, I think that Mitch did very little to quell any of those concerns uh, with having a bit of a panicked moment at the podium that in some ways maybe kind of is reminiscent of how he looks in the pocket sometimes. Yeah, let me call you out on that. It was not a panicked moment at the podium. He was quite under control and relaxed. It was an embarrassing moment at the podium because he was asked a question that took him into an area which he has clearly been told, and he didn't say by whom, but it can only be his head coach, not to discuss. And he had to turn to look to somebody from the mem- uh, a member of the PR department uh, to ask the question, can I answer that? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Let and, me rephrase, Hub. Yeah. It's panic. I panic seeing him in year three as supposed, supposedly the face of the franchise still not understanding that he needs to come up with a better fallback or use different words or avoid uh, that situation at the point of his uh, progression that he's supposed to be at now. You're, you're right, uh, and I don't want to get into a whole semantics debate here, right. but in this particular case, I do think semantics are important because we're talking about the quarterback position, mm-hmm. and, and and people want to read that into onto the field. I have never seen Mitch Trubisky panic. I, I, I'm not worried about his confidence. I've heard all this talk about his confidence for the last week and a half. Mitch has more than enough confidence to play the position, and he has more than enough athletic ability to play the position. We are now at that critical turning point that you get to with every quarterback, and you can't ignore the fact that 90% of first-round quarterbacks fail 
for this reason, they don't have the God-given innate sense of the position. They don't have the football IQ. They don't see the things out on the field that the great ones see. Tom Brady and Drew Brees are two of the best examples I've ever seen of probably two of the worst athletes at their position for the last decade who have been far and away the two best quarterbacks in football, along with Aaron Rodgers, who is separated because he's got both the feel for the game and some of the unique athletic abilities. I think Mitch Trubisky, we've seen it. He has all the athletic ability. He now is getting close to the point. Again, I'm still giving him another at least half a season because he is the least experienced college quarterback drafted in the first round in the modern era of the game. He only had those 13 games at North Carolina. But now 27 starts in. you got to start to be to get there if you're not already there. And that's why this first half of the season is so important. Um, but then, Arthur, you got to add one more piece to this. And I want to get off of Mitch for a minute. I didn't feel the whole team was ready. I don't think there is any excuse for regulars getting no snaps in the preseason. We've now been debating this for 16 months, last year and this year. People said it worked out last year because the Bears stayed healthy. The Bears stayed healthy because they have a great training staff and because they were lucky. They didn't stay healthy because they didn't play in the preseason. And ironically, Uh, Hub, they didn't stay healthy. Leonard Floyd and Adam Shaheen were both hurt in the preseason, which I believe helped form a little bit or helped strengthen Nagy's approach. It helped embolden him in believing his approach was correct come this summer. Right. But the reason that it and it was maybe it was partially correct, but Mm -hmm. the reason it wasn't completely correct is the Bears' performance last Thursday night against the Packers was almost identical to what they did in the opener at Lambeau last year. The difference is is that they got takeaways, is that Khalil Mack scored a touchdown for the defense. They got two more field goals on short fields because of takeaways, and they didn't get the takeaways Thursday night, and they didn't have enough to overcome it. But but take a minute. Compare the stats. Look at the game uh, film. You know, Watch how they performed. That offense wasn't ready a year ago, and it wasn't ready this time. And, and I think, you know, rather than saying that Trubisky took a step back, to put him out there and expect him to play at 100% efficiency after nine months of not getting, he took three, what, three snaps or six snaps on hand? Three snaps, all hands. Yeah, and they were handoffs. I mean, it it just, the game doesn't work that way. There is not, and, and this is a rehash of a column I did, so I apologize if you already read it. And I know a lot of you don't agree with it, but there is not a major sport we know of that doesn't play exhibition games, more exhibition games than the NFL, where it would be considered sane to not have everybody play. I mean, pitchers, fielders, hitters, goalies, defensemen, you know, sharpshooters, three-point shooters, um, uh, you know, soccer forwards, pick your sport. You've got to get some game action to be ready to play a game. You can't take a whole year off. Now, you know, if they are just as flat this Sunday in Denver, then, you know, maybe I have to take a step back and say, okay, I'm making too much of it. But we saw what happened a year ago. They came back and looked pretty decent on offense against Seattle, putting 24 points on the board, albeit at home coming off a road game. This time they go on the road instead of and opened at home. Uh, and, and the altitude, you know, can be an issue. You've got the Fangio, you know, matchup coming. But all of that said, I will be surprised if the offense isn't better this week, if for no other reason, because they finally had a dress rehearsal. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence on that one. Um, I think you did a good job laying out in the column a lot of other instances outside of Chicago of quarterbacks who more or less punted on the preseason their coaches chose to and that they struggled in the openers. Well, and how, I don't want to interrupt, but how about Aaron Rodgers? 
I mean, yes. some people think he's the best. Aaron Rodgers wasn't much better than Trubisky, if you think about it. I mean, he made a ton of unforced errors. Yep, he was on that list. Uh, Jared Goff, one that com- uh, you know quickly comes to mind. Uh, and there were a number of others, and that was good evidence for sure. But, of course, you know, you filed the column Monday night as Deshaun Watson was dicing up the, the Saints, and Deshaun Watson had, you know, seven pass attempts in the entire preseason. So I don't think – I still think there's a little gray area here. But more to the point – uh, of why I agree with you, Hub, that we're going to get a far more competent uh, offensive performance, if not some form of juggernaut breaking out, because I'm not quite there yet, uh, is I believe Matt Nagy has been dealt some humble pie this week and has, uh, and has shown his humility in that poor game plan and his inability to, to, to feature the run game whatsoever. Uh, and if you look at what Oakland did to beat Denver Monday night, it was their rookie runner, Josh Jacobs, uh, doing a lot of the damage. And, and when you look at some of the matchups in this one, um, it would be nothing short of stunning if it's whatever it is, 13 carries or whatever it is. Again, we're going to see a bunch of David Montgomery this time around, and I think that is going to bode well, uh, much, much better for the offense overall. Well, um, I, I mean, I, I agree with everything you said, except I don't know that there's a guarantee we're going to see a lot of David Montgomery. I, you, you would think we should. Right. Maybe it'll be Mike uh, Davis still if he somehow has the hot hand. But. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, and and our listeners already know how I feel about Mike Davis. Yes, uh, and by the way, two different sets of feelings. One is personal, which is more important because mm-hmm. he's a good guy, you know, and, and I hope he does well. Um, but as a football analyst, I've never seen the reason to expect that he will. So we'll see what happens. But Arthur, you got another piece to it. Tariq Cohn needs to get half a dozen handoffs in the backfield. He cannot be strictly a receiver for this offense to be everything they want it to be and for this ground game to be everything. You know, Cone poses a bit of a dilemma for the Bears because because of his stature and, and because of his value, and, and you know that he's at greater risk going between the tackles because he's just a little guy, um, you don't want to give him the ball too much. But at the same time, when you don't give it to him at all, you're not taking advantage of one of your greatest weapons. And then you get to the next step, which is obviously you can't throw the ball 75% of the time and only run at 25%, and that's favorable because I think it was more like 22%. Um, but but Nagy introduced a whole new part of that conversation, whether he intended to or not, I don't know, but he was pretty definitive, in it, which again circles us back to Mitch, is that we don't know how many of those passes from Trubisky that could have been play action were actually RPOs, Mm -hmm. that there are, as he says, running plays called where, you know, and and he's not saying Mitch makes the wrong decision all the time, but where Trubisky does have the ability in split-second timing in the heat of the action to turn a running play into a pass play, and so it is one more part of the equation that, that you have to consider all of this to try and sort all this out. Yeah, but it, it it in many ways sort of complicates things as as much as it clarifies them for a few reasons, Hub, because the message we're getting publicly from the Bears coaches, as much as anything, uh, continues to be, or their message to Mitch that they are sort of sharing with us is that they need Mitch to trust his eyes and what he sees out on the field. Uh, trusting his eyes is what's getting them into the RPO trouble because he's not properly counting the you know the, the, how heavy and light boxes are. That's all an RPO is, and how he decides whether to run or pass is just count the number of heads in the tackle box, and then you see where the advantage is and go off of that. So um, that part to me is a little troubling too. And then you get to the part about Vic Fangio who disguises his coverages uh, when Mitch does need to pass, as well as anyone in the NFL, and why this can be a tricky spot. Uh, despite appearing on paper to be another game where the Bears are the far more talented team. Well, and again, I just don't want to get into semantics, but when you say not trusting his eyes with the RPOs, we know of one, 
the third and one where he got sacked was an RPO where he never should have held the ball. He told us that. Mm-hmm. You know, Nagy told us that, and they don't usually do that. We don't know uh, which other RPOs he may or may not have made. Mitch so, is having a lot more trouble seeing the field as a passer than he is in the run game. You are absolutely right. And Nagy even backed off of that a little bit Wednesday. I think he wanted to uh, just walk it back a tiny bit to, to make sure, as you just did, that this isn't some serial issue that's popping up with Mitch. But it's all just this bigger picture stuff of whether he is seeing the field and whether he is developing uh, not as a thrower of the football, but as a reader of the game and then, you know, throwing off of that. Um, And I think it's fair to be legitimately concerned about where that development is at. Yeah, you know, and again, this is why this all starts to get so complicated, because then you can punt it right back to Matt Nagy. Well, you have running plays in your playbook that aren't RPOs. So if that's an issue, just call fewer RPOs and you'll still get more runs. So um, uh, we're going to have to take a break in a minute. I I just, I think it's important to get it all on the table though, because uh, in order of priority, I think at the moment, our concerns are Mitch's play. It is the game plan and the play calling that Matt Nagy had Thursday night. It is whether the team was fully prepared. And I do have to add one more piece of it because you said something at the top that I just don't agree with. I, I think I, I hope they target Allen Robinson 13 times every game. He is a number one receiver in the NFL. I think he has shown that uh, in his last few performances for the Bears. And I was on the sidelines doing this game for Westwood One, where the one view that is better is is you see all the receivers in your field of vision at the same time. And I didn't see a lot of open receivers that Mr. Trubisky was missing. The, other than to Allen Robinson, his pass catchers didn't do him any favors. Uh, you know, why Anthony Miller only got 16 snaps, we haven't quite figured out yet because we were told he was healthy. Um, Taylor Gabriel um, wasn't getting open much, uh, you know, and, and he did get targeted a few times. Cordero Patterson caught a couple of the balls they threw. I think you've got to use Patterson because of his speed and, and, and the extra element that he adds to this. Adam Shaheen. Uh, I am not anywhere near ready to move on from from Mitch Trubisky, but I think we've reached the point where we can say Adam Shaheen is probably not going to be the player that they envisioned when they used the 51st pick in the draft on him. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I think it was the 45th pick, too. But more importantly, uh, they just need him to be a contributor. I mean, let's get past the mid-second round draft slot. They need him to to make positive contributions to this offense, especially when they don't have Trey Burton at their disposal. And this is such a huge part of it, Hub, too, that we can get to when we return. Uh, with Tariq Cohen lining up primarily as a slot receiver in Week 1, you could argue it should have been easier for Matt Nagy to figure out the David Montgomery, Mike Davis uh, proliferation of actual carries from the backfield. Well, Trey Burton, you know, everyone has to assume, is coming back at some point. He's sort of that jumbo slot that's going to uh, you know, decrease the need to have Tariq Cohen strictly there. So it's going to be one more thing that needs to get sorted out uh, in this kind of fluid run game and, and developing uh, offensive game plan sort of situation. For more than 70 years, Gracer's Plumbing and Heating has served the Illinois Valley customers as a trusted source for appliances and the purchase of energy-efficient products at affordable prices. Call Gracer's Plumbing and Heating at 815 882 2111. We've been voted number one in the Reader's Choice for the Ottawa Times, LaSalle News Tribune, and Princeton BCR. Call Gracers Plumbing and Heating at 815-882-2111. We also want to thank all of our other great sponsors here at our Pro Football Weekly Chicago podcast. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh. 
Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to our Pro Football Weekly Chicago podcast brought to you by our friends at Grazers Plumbing and Heating. Uh, we appreciate all of our great sponsors. Uh, we always want to give a shout out uh, a couple times during the, 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 the pod to our executive producer, Dan Mott. Dan does such a great job for us. Uh, I mean, we couldn't get anything done without him. All of our audio, all of our video, our TV production. Uh, Mott is a superstar. And thanks to the guys in Humphreys McGee, those quick sound bumps you hear, the music beds in and out, that is courtesy of one of the better homegrown bands out of the Chicago area. So thanks to the guys at Humphreys McGee. And uh, Arthur, I, I think that the, the glass is half full. There is a silver lining. The Bears' defense was actually better last Thursday night than it was in the opener a year ago in Lambeau over the course of 60 minutes. Again, it didn't score, which it did a year ago. It didn't get the takeaways, but you can't count on those from from Aaron Rodgers. And when you look at holding the Packers' running game to 47 yards on 21 carries, that's why they're the number one run defense in the NFL. You hold Aaron Rodgers to 10 points and sack him five times, uh, you, you got to win that football game. And, and so I don't know that there was more that the defense could have done. Yes, there was a blown coverage on the on the big, what, 43-yarder to Marquez Valdez-Scantling that set up the only touchdown of the game. Uh, yes, Jimmy Graham, the tight end, basically posted up uh, Deion Bush, who was on the field for HaHa Clinton Dix to get the touchdown three, what, two, three plays later. Um, but, but that's going to happen. I, I mean, you know, I, I don't, Bush letting Graham, he didn't let him, but, but, but the touchdown to Graham coming on Bush's coverage, I don't hold that against Bush at all. Um, it was really just unfortunate because we've done some research on this. The only series he got in the game for Ha Clinton Dix was that series, and he didn't totally miss the coverage. He was late getting there because he initially broke outside instead of going deep because there was a receiver coming out of the backfield. And so, um, you know, I, I think Matt Nagy talked about it after the game. Uh, there were basically four plays on defense uh, that you worry about. Well, you know, when you get the other 65 right and hold Rodgers to 10 points, you're supposed to win that game. Yep, no doubt about it. And as Hub said, uh, we have been able to pin down now in speaking with Deshae Townsend and HaHa Clinton-Dix one-on-one this week that this was simply uh, a plan going in, that Bush had earned the right uh, based off his really strong summer, um, not necessarily to swap series. This was the third def- either the third or fourth defensive series, I believe, and that was just the plan. Uh, HaHa didn't have an injury. He didn't need a blow, per se. It was just a coaching decision, and unfortunately, you know, it backfired badly, and, uh, you know, Haha was very professional in discussing it yesterday. Said Dion Bush has earned this right, and uh, it was just a shame that it kind of turned out that way. Obviously, he always wants to be on the field, uh, but it's not like there's any ill will here or anything like that. 
Well, and of course, part two of that, which we'll just touch on and then put to rest because I don't want to spend the season talking about it, is Adrian Amos gets the game-ending interception. Adrian Amos shows up second after Kenny Clark on the third and one, and and everybody's, oh, look, you know, Amos did this and Clinton Dix didn't. Uh, ha, Clinton Dix played an excellent football game. His strip of Aaron Rodgers that put the ball on the ground was a fantastic play. He should have reminded Bears fans of the peanut punch. He also had five solo tackles, including a couple big sticks at the line of scrimmage so let's 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 wait until at least later in the season if not the end of the season to talk about who got the best in the swap of safeties but it is important to note that even though the one big play was a missed coverage at the safety position uh clinton dix had a really good game in his in his, in his debut for the bears yep and after uh you know getting a, a late start in the summer uh you know was delayed briefly by the hamstring so that's a, an encouraging sign i thought buster screen played outstanding too the other new member of the secondary uh, guys, that's really all that's new about this defense. I mean, you're going to see Roy Robertson-Harris flash even more and more this season, I believe, because uh, well, because he's a unique player and because it's a contractor. I'm not saying that's the specific reason why, but there is a lot in front of Roy, uh, both you know financially speaking and uh, you know for what he can offer this team as he kind of works more and more into this rotation. You know, at the end of the day, it's funny because the guys over at WSCR Radio, you know, here in Chicago, have taken to calling RRH my guy because I've. Been been talking about him for two years now. Um, and, and here's the reality. The ultimate football compliment, and, and this is going to show my age, but over the years, Roy Robertson-Harris is a man. And, and, and you may be too, and you can go try and stop him, but you're going to lose that matchup most of the time. And, and, and another thing that just jumped out at me you know, from the sidelines watching this is that before almost every play, Aaron Rodgers stood up and identified where number 52 was. Where's Khalil Mack? That's what we have to focus on. About 70% of the time, they double-teamed him, and about 10% of the time, they triple-teamed him. Well, when you're going to leave Leonard Floyd and Roy Robertson-Harris and Akeem Hicks and and Eddie Goldman and and even one of those inside backers are going to come once in a while – all singled up, which is what you have to do when you're doubling and tripling one guy, and in some cases even unblocked, that's what's going to happen because Roy Robertson-Harris – he can beat double teams himself. He has shown it. But when he's just got to beat one guy or he's coming unblocked, that, that's going to be a big story all year long. I, I promise you we are going to be talking at the end of the season about how do you keep both Leonard Floyd and Roy Robertson-Harris. Because even though Floyd has one more year under contract, you know you may want to extend him. Robertson-Harris is going to be a free agent. This is going to be a really good problem for the Bears uh, You know, come the end of the season. Yeah, I am just going to go out and say right now, though, that they're not going to be able to because they already paid Akeem Hicks and they already paid Eddie Goldman. Khalil Mack is the highest paid defensive player in NFL history. Eddie Jackson is going to be up. I, I just don't know how you do it. And I hope I'm wrong. I, Roy is a, a pleasure to watch. And, and, and I'm going to go take it a step farther. He's going to turn out to be uh, through first his first five years. He's going to be Ryan Pace's best undrafted find. He's that type of talent uh, in the premium service that he provides, wrecking games as a pass rusher, playing as a two-way uh, versatile threat up front, is even more valuable. And I love Bryce Callahan, but... Uh, would you agree with that? I mean, there, there's been some other impressive undrafteds. Cameron Meredith had a, a really nice year or two here. And, uh, you know, there's some others that I'm sure are escaping me right now. But I think Roy Robinson-Harris is going to separate himself this season. He probably will. I, I mean, I, I've I've kind of been there for, for a couple of years. But, Arthur, I have a, a, an answer to the first part of your question is you're probably right. You know, the salary cap is an issue. Uh, the cap is most likely going to go up another eight, ten million. It always yep. does, yep. and the CBA expires at the end of next year. But the answer to your question is or not your question, but the counter to your point mm-hmm. is that they may be able to keep them because, quite frankly, 
they don't have anybody on offense they have to pay. Yeah. yeah I mean, Allen Robinson is going to be up next year, and, and you're going to want to keep him. We don't know what's going to happen with Mitch. There's nobody else to worry about. They've already overpaid some of these offensive linemen. Um, and while you obviously you don't want an imbalanced cap, all I'm saying is that it's not impossible. Right, and you took the words yeah. out of my mouth, but yeah. let's uh, separate. There's good problems to have, like all the talent on defense, and a potentially really bad problem to have is if the Bears missed on Mitch Trubisky and they don't have to worry about a second contract for him. We're not saying that yet, uh, but as I believe Hub wrote earlier this week, you know, reckoning time is coming here sooner than later with him. Yeah, actually, I called it nut cutting time, which is one of my favorite. And I got these guys on Twitter. You know, why do people use that? It doesn't make any sense. It makes perfect sense. It's a euphemism. Well, I've heard nut cutting. I've heard nut crunching. I've heard nut dropping. So everybody but this one guy who claimed to be an English grad student, an expert in language, mm-hmm. uh, I think knows exactly why you would use you it. You hear scouts uh, say nut dropping time actually from from time to time. One of my favorite moments, and and, and this is going over forty two years. Uh, Wani Dave Wanstead. Uh, was I want to say it was either his second or third year as a head coach, and we were at the Brian Piccolo outing. It was a golf outing in, around town for 26 years, and everybody knows Brian's song. Uh, but we're just we're, we had, we had played in this celebrity thing and whatever, and we're hanging around afterwards during the cocktail. We're getting ready to go into the dinner and do the program. And Dave comes over and we're talking. He says, "Boy, the offensive line is going to be so much better this year." He said, "Do you see Troy Ozine and, and the Bears tackle is standing over about 20 feet away?" And I said, "Yeah." He says, "How does he look to you?" I said, "Well, he, he looks like he's in good shape. He looks the same." He says, "Yeah, but what you can't tell is his nuts finally dropped." <laughs> <laughs> so, and unfortunately, unfortunately, why? He was wrong. His nuts never dropped. But uh, <laughs> but fortunately, Hub didn't have to actually be able to tell that in the moment. That was probably for the better. Well, uh, and more importantly, <laughs> I wasn't asked to examine him and, and find out for sure. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it is an old football euphemism. So. And, it, and it's nut dropping time for Mitch. That's the one I prefer, and it hasn't happened yet. It needs to this season. So I'll leave that on that note, Hub. I know we have to wrap up here soon, but I believe we should probably make some predictions, and we should do a very, very quick look ahead to the Broncos and what you yeah, expect to see Sunday. We do have to go soon. we got about four or five minutes here. And, and, and we were talking before we started recording uh, in, in doing some homework for, for this week uh, and already watching some Broncos tape. It, I am a little surprised only because I hadn't focused on them during the preseason. And the reality about the Broncos is that this roster is, is not as talented as it has been in recent seasons. And and I suppose part of that is because with Vic Fangio taking over, new regime, they made some changes in the front office. They probably view it as, as if not a rebuild, at least you know retooling with more young talent. Uh, they ridiculously overpaid for a journeyman right tackle in Juwan James, and he goes down the first week of the season. So the offensive line, which has been a problem for them, it seems forever, continues to be a problem. Uh, Dalton Risner looks like he's going to be a really good football player, but Garrett Bowles is nothing special, uh, and so they've got issues there. They are not particularly impressive at receiver. I mean, you know, we are so used to thinking that this team is going to put, you know, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders and uh, and all these other big time pass catchers out there that now, you know, Sanders is is still good but not great. Cortland Sutton, I think, is going to be very good but isn't yet. Uh, they don't have great targets. Philip Lindsay is a Pro Bowl running back, but then you got Joe Flacco, and and we think we know who Flacco is, and that's not even the point, Arthur. When you turn it around and look at this defense, yeah, you got to worry about the pass rush of Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. That's going to be one of the better duos in, in the NFL. It's, it's actually very comparable to, to Khalil Mack and Leonard Floyd. But other than that, you know, Chris Harris Jr. is still on one corner. 
Um, there's a lot of somewhat pedestrian, perhaps developing young players. I'm sure it's going to be a real challenge for the Bears. It's it's going to be their home opener. They're going to be fired up. Fangio is the best defensive coach in football. But, uh, you know, the Broncos, to me, are not anywhere near the toughest test the Bears are going to get. I'm with you completely on that. The matchups appear to favor the Bears. Uh, Vic desperately missed Bryce Callahan in the opener. That's a shame. I, I don't mean to. I'm not laughing. I hate to see it, uh, but maybe you know somewhat predictable, obviously, from the way things went for him here. And uh, Derek Carr just relentlessly went after Isaac Yadon, the second-year player out of Boston College. Mitch better be ready to do the same thing unless it's going to be someone else. Devontae Bosby, former Bears practice squatter, is another possibility. Uh, but if Bryce Callahan isn't out there, uh, Mitch would be really wise to avoid Chris Harris as much as he can. And of course, Harris is unique and makes that tougher because he plays inside and outside and never leaves the field. But you can't tell me there's still not another... If you're looking to exploit target uh, Tariq Cohn and David Montgomery on these linebackers, Steven Nelson and Josie Jewell, uh, the safeties are unproven. You said it. There's three blue chippers here and enough other areas you can go to. Well, and, and, and it's really with Bryce, you know, who I wish nothing but the best for because he's a good so football player and a good kid. Uh, if he is healthy, he's going to have to play on the boundary because that's where they're, they're, where, they're, where they're at right now, even though they signed him to be a slot. Mm-hmm. And even if they want to chase Allen Robinson all over the field with Chris Harris, um, a steady diet of Cordero Patterson or Robinson, or if Trey Burton's in the game for, for Bryce Callahan, he can't win those matchups. He, Callahan's just too small. He belongs in the slot. So um, this is a real opportunity for the Bears to get well. There are some other factors. There, there, is, there is going to be emotions with, with Nagy versus Fangio. There's no way around it. But the bigger one that does concern me a little bit is when, I, when, when you guys were in New York for the preseason game, I was in actually Beaver Creek, Colorado, just outside of Denver for a wedding and, and had a really interesting weekend experience with the altitude. Um, now, I was at actually 10,000 feet. The, the stadium is only at about 54, 5,500 feet. But that altitude, when you're not used to it and you only have 24 hours and you arrive in town, it does make a difference. Uh, We heard Matt Nagy talking about it earlier this week. We'll have the oxygen mask. We'll have all that. My problem was I basically had what amounted to almost a migraine the whole time I was there for three days. And it's just it's a change when you're coming from sea level and you got to play at that. So it, it, it could be it's the one factor that they can't control no matter what they do. Right. And, you know, I'm sure the crowd's going to be rowdy. Those will be other factors as well. But um, uh, it's time, though. And I will say one more thing that concerns me just a little bit. We've heard a lot about how maybe the uh, knowledge of each other, Pagano and Nagy sort of offset each, uh, excuse me, Fangio and Nagy and their schemes offset each other. Well, I have a slightly different take. Mitch and Allen Robinson, all the most important members of this offense, have been in Nagy's offense a lot less time than Fangio had to master it here in Chicago. So, I think that that actually favors Fangio. He knows more about Mitch uh, than Mitch, or more so Allen Robinson and, and Trey Burton, Dave Montgomery, people like this really understand Vic's defense. So uh, for me, that I think goes a little bit of an edge Denver's way. I think there's a better question because there, there, there's no question that there's a huge edge Vic Fangio versus Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. Who gets the edge, Matt Nagy versus Vic Fangio? Uh, you know that that's one we won't. For me, have it's a, Vic. <laughs> we, well, we we won't have a clue until I, I, see. You don't know mm-hmm. because he doesn't have the personnel in Denver that he had in Chicago. Good point. So, um, but I'm sure we'll be talking about it after the game. Right. Uh, one other quickie: we really do have to go because I mentioned him, and I don't want to ignore it. We're talking so much about when do we make a decision about uh, Mitch Trubisky. Trey Burton, uh, limited participation again in practice this week. You see him out there. He appears to be moving fine. 
Um, and, and yet, obviously, there's an issue there. Um, understood why he was held out of a Thursday night game. So much activity at the end of the season. The injury had just occurred, allegedly, a week before. Right. But now, with two and a half weeks to get this, we were told, slight aggravating pull. They said maybe he could even go with it. If he doesn't go this Sunday against the Broncos, then I think it's fair to start to question whether you have an ongoing issue with Burton, too. Yeah, it makes two of us, and I don't know whether these are mutually exclusive things, but the Bears did claim a tight end off waivers from Washington uh, earlier this week, so I don't know if that's necessarily a good sign when it comes to Trey Burton, but uh, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see what the status is. All right, we got to wrap it up, and thank you all so much for being with us again this week. We really enjoy bringing this podcast to you. Make sure you also uh, download our Pro Football Weekly NFL podcast every week. You can go to ProFootballWeekly.com amongst other places to find these casts. Our thanks to our friends again at Gracers Plumbing and Heating. Uh, Of course, uh, Dan Mott for the outstanding job he always does. The guys from Mumphreys McGee. And most of all, our thanks to all of you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.